my darlings, it's Chantel and I am flying solo as we move into the last three episodes of the Thinking Pilates podcast. Now, James and I had a very well thought out and organized plan before COVID hit about how to move forward. We adapted and shifted and where we're landing right now is that these next three episodes will be of the highest service to you and our community. And in the first of three, I am talking to a colleague of mine that I've known for almost a decade, who I am honored to know and to be the recipient of her energy and kindness and support over the years, even in a peripheral way. I am talking today with Tanya Marie Amos, who is a wonderful, amazing human, a wonderful teacher, bold, brave, and highly, highly dedicated to her community. Tanya has not only been a studio owner and is a faculty member of the Balanced Body teaching team, but she has created a program called Grown Women Dance Collective. It's arts and wellness for social justice, and she is a powerhouse, man. She has got not only ideas, but ideas that she has put into action that have produced significant outcomes for people of color in her community, and I really want you to know about what she's doing, and more importantly, I want you to know about how you can help support what she's doing, both on a financial level, but also getting involved And getting curious about her program that she's creating is really amazing and something that she is going to make accessible to other studio owners to implement in their communities. So unlike most of our other podcasts over the years, this is not just about being thoughtful. It's not just about digging deep and inspiring you and sharing knowledge. This series of three is really about taking action. And I feel certain that you will feel compelled to take action in some way after hearing this interview with Tanya. So without further ado, I hope you will enjoy and I will catch you on the other side. Hi. Hi. (laughs) I am really excited to be talking with you. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. We're talking with, I am talking with Tanya Marie Amos. And I was thinking about this recently in preparation for our conversation, which is when we first met and and some of the really potent um, kind of intense exchange in that moment where we first met face to face and how long ago that was. I mean, that's got to be in my mind. That was. 2013. Is that right? Yeah, it was probably seven or eight years ago. That's something like like that. Yeah. So um, and. Tanya uh, came to Sebastopol where I had a studio at the time with my friend and um, then business partner, Kristen, Yuvan Lotz Grek. And Kristen and I got a wild hair because we were always chasing shiny objects, you know. <laughs> uh, we, we had both been um, balanced body faculty members for about three years at that point. And you know, I had developed the mentoring program and the teacher training program, and we decided we wanted to have a workshop for teachers, right, in support of, like, 
let's let's rally and develop the skills to bring our to elevate ourselves right mm-hmm. to whatever create the curriculum or present so is this really i remember it being very inspired i felt very inspired and it was so great because you all came i don't even know why people trusted us it was amazing know, to lead this thing mm-hmm. so so that's when i met you and um i'm so glad and then recently we've had some really for me incredibly valuable exchanges that I will just say again, that I'm really grateful for. And in the midst of all of this craziness, um, I really have felt like as we end the podcast and we, we close it, we wrap it up, that it has felt like a really good opportunity to be in support of you and others who are doing amazing things who are not getting enough attention. Um, and in one of our recent conversations, Tanya, we were talking about your nonprofit, which I just didn't really know about. And so I don't want other people to miss out on hearing what you're doing. And I'll be really blatant. I don't want people to miss out on supporting what you're doing. And I want people to support you. So that's why we're talking. Hey, <laughs> um, you. So you. Uh, so let's dig in a little bit. Let's let people know about you. Like, so you own a studio called Aspire Pilates Center, and it's in Concord, which is in the you know North Bay area. Um, you have so many. You've done so much. You know, um, you're a balanced body faculty member. You have just you know every certification under the sun, um, mm-hmm. specializations. Um, you also are the artistic director for. The Grown Women's Dance Company. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grown Women Dance Collective. That's right. Love it. Grown, you can't tell us nothing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you've had an amazing career in movement. You started out as a gymnast. You danced with, you danced in New York. You danced with Alvin Ailey. You've done all kinds of things. Um, tell us about your passion for movement and teaching. Like, what's the spark? Hmm. The spark. That is a good question. Well, first of all, I was that child that could never sit still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not in a fidgety way, in exploration way. Yeah. I remember when I was four years old, um, I was at a Montessori school in San Francisco. And Miss Liska said, hey, get up in front of the class. Who wants to get up in front of the class and pretend that they're a bat? And I'm like, not a bat, not a bat. This is where my movement brain turned on. She said, come up and show us what a bird looks like. What a bird, you know, what does a bird do? And someone got up and stood in front of the class and like put their hand in front of their, their face. Like they were, they had a beak and they just mm-hmm. stood there with this beak. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> and then somebody else stood up and they got up and they put their arms out and they're like, this is what a bird looks like. And then she prompted them a little bit and she said, well, what does a bird do? And then somebody else went up and they put their arms out and they started flapping them up and down, like mm-hmm. literally flapping them up and down. So you think mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> like snow angels, but with less grace, right? Sure, sure. And I was like, that doesn't look like a bird. That looks like a bat. Mm. And I didn't say anything, but I was just watching. I was like, that's weird because birds move differently. And I was mm. four years old. And I, I, so finally, you know, I kept raising my hand and raising my hand. And she never called on me. 
And then finally, I was, I, you know, I think I spoke up and I said, Miss Liska, may I, may I, may I be a bird? And she's like, okay, be a bird. So I came up and I did this, you know, graceful, you know, birds don't flap their arms like a bat. There's this yeah. elbow in the, and the fingertips, if, if it was a human arm. And then the fingertips yeah. through the wrist, through the elbow, through the shoulder again, if it was a human arm. And so okay. as a little girl, I saw that and she said, Oh my goodness, that's what a bird looks like. Yeah. It was just normal to me. I looked at movement and said, oh, huh, okay, I can figure that out. Um, and then somebody in my class was taking gymnastics classes. And I was, my mom was like, Do you want to take gymnastics classes? And I was like, uh yeah, I think so. I don't know what that sure. is. It sounds cool. <laughs> that first wave of uh Russian gymnastics coaches that came to the US in the 70s. Whoa. Um, yeah, and they were really good to me. Um, same thing, that first wave of Russian ballet teachers that came in, they were really good to me. Um, throughout mm-hmm. my career, that did not last, right? Once I started getting into the American teachers, really quite horrible to me very often. The European teachers were were neutral to nice, um, but the Russian teachers, that first wave of Russian teachers came in. You know, the society was closed. They weren't dealing with the same um, stereotypes of African-Americans sure. in, in uh, the USSR that we had here. So when they came in, they just saw this, this little girl with all this facility and this crazy intense focus. I would hold on to every word that they said. They I have no doubt. And I would <laughs> fix it. So all they just saw this little girl in this facility and they're like, let's train her. Um, so I've always loved movement. I've always... Um, tried crazy stuff in my in, with my body much to my detriment and you know I was the kid uh-huh. in my neighborhood that was you know flipping on mattresses in the alleyways or you know standing <laughs> on the top of the set and flipping off and ow I just hit my head but I got up and bounced and walked away and then as I got more into my training I got a really healthy um fear of oh if you fall off your fall off, if you jump if you do a, a back tuck off of something that high and land on your head you're gonna die um yeah. so when I started getting some training I you know pulled back a little bit and said okay this movement thing is good but you gotta you gotta treat it with a little bit more respect uh sure, sure. is a finite source um but yeah so I've always loved to move always loved to move um and I wasn't good at any sport with a ball so uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, we'd have to in school do soccer. I was scared of balls. Oh, my knees or uh, uh-huh. no, there's a ball coming towards my head. No. Mm-hmm. Right. But things that I could use my whole body and be thoughtful about yes. um, and be in communication with my body, yes. um, you know, dance is body, mind, movement, gymnastics, yeah. body, mind, movement. So I took to that really quickly, really young. And then, you know, movement forms that I could be expressive. I could tell yes. story with. And that's, that's what I was why thinking. really drawn as a gymnast was floor exercise and, and being because I got to tell a story. And as I went in yeah. further into my dance career, I realized that I was drawn to it because of the storytelling. Yes, I can see that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just listening to you talk, it's like, it's the difference, right? Between somebody who plays sports, organized sports and, and loves that and is good as that. And somebody who dances, my God, you know, just the, I can just feel it in my body saying the words, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's emotional. It's mm-hmm. like you just, your soul is present in a way that, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's just not in anything else. 
So what, so what Pilates, like how, how Pilates, how come Pilates? Like tell us a little bit about that. So Pilates, um, after I graduated from UC Berkeley with the um, degree in anthropology. Yes, you did. Really big feat. I was the first person in my lineage since slavery to go and uh, graduate from college. It was a big deal. And after I graduated, I moved to New York with, I tell people, don't try this at home. $200 in my pocket, no place to live and no job. I was excited. Fantastic. Um, but you know, I, you know, that the phrase, God, a dance, like I had to go to New York. I had already made that really important ancestral choice to go to college and I had to make up lost time. So I had to get to New York quickly. So lucky for me, um, Alvin Ailey, American dance center, um, gave me a full scholarship. So I trained full scholarship at Ailey for four years and then went on and I had a really amazing 15 year career where I, I, um, toured nationally, internationally. And during my career, like any dancer, I was injured a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Especially I had what we call, we call, um, um, I was a leggy dancer, meaning I had super hypermobile joints, which means I had incredible lines, but it also yeah. was injured all the time. And yeah. so I had, I think, 17 bouts of, of, of physical therapy throughout my career. So you're talking mm-hmm. six to eight weeks each time. And when I was in traditional therapy, you know, they would, they would focus on one joint and I'd be like, okay, great. So my knee is fixed now. Really? Isolating, isolating. Exactly. And not looking Mm -hmm. at the entire chain. So I'd go back to rehearsals and I would re-injure myself. And luckily in New York, a lot of the times that you had therapy, you know, it was hit miss, but about Mm -hmm. half the times you were sent to a physical therapist that would say, okay, I'm doing the smart person stuff, the physical therapy stuff. And now I'm going to go, I'm going to point you to that side of the corner of the studio and say, go work with a Pilates teacher on the strengthening and the rebalancing exercises. Mm -hmm. So I got to do some really excellent Pilates based um, rehab stuff. And Mm -hmm. I would find that I would go back to my rehearsals stronger after six weeks than before my injury, you know, you kill in a, in a dance company. Cause you go back in, you've been out for six weeks, you get your solo back. And people are like, she was drinking my ties on the beach and she came back and got her solo. Not okay. So I saved my life. So when I moved back home from New York to California, I had my, you know, my, my midlife crisis that every dancer goes through. And luckily, instead of a short career, I had this very long career, but I thought I had no skills. What am I going to do? I'm scared. I don't know how to do anything else. Am I going to answer the phone? What am I going to do? And my husband being very, very smart said, no, you're actually an expert in movement. You have an eye for movement and you have need to figure out how to leverage that expertise to make money. Um, And I had been playing with a a few modalities for a while, like what am I going to retrain in? And I decided on Pilates because Pilates was so mind-blowing as far as strength, flexibility, um, cleaning up body mechanics that cause pain. Um, There's a whole emotional component when you start to be in control and not out of control and fearful in your body. Um, And it it was incredible. And it was just to the point that, what I call, quote, normal people started hearing about Pilates because when I Mm -hmm. would bring up, hey, I'm thinking about getting certified in Pilates, people would say, oh, my God, I heard that's really good stuff. And I was like, you've heard of Pilates? Because Mm. for a million years, right, dancers knew about it, physical therapists knew about it, but the general public didn't. And so when the fifth person said to me, that's good stuff I've heard, maybe you should do that. I was like, okay, done. Mm. So um, picked up the phone, 
uh, called a bunch of uh, studios in New York, Colorado, and California, places where I knew I had a couch to stay on. I had just come back from an 11 and a half month backpacking trip after 9-11, where I backpacked mm. from Bolivia, life-changing. And Nora St. John at Turning Point picked up the phone. She was lovely. She was amazing. Mm. She was supportive. I still had one foot in, my da- in the dance world. And so I needed a program that would allow me to take contracts when I needed to take contracts. She was incredible. She said, just come, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and so she trained me and now me trained me and it was a life-changing experience. And then I had a um, career end- ending surgery and I freaked out. And I, again, I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I realized I had this skill <laughs> for the first time. I had a skill where I didn't have to rely on my body to actually make my money. Um, and so in a anesthesia uh, stupor, I had uh, <laughs> ice bags on my belly and, and, and six anatomy books open. And I didn't have a TV when I first moved home to California and there was no Facebook back then. And I had too much time <laughs> on my hands. And I said, I'm going to open a Pilates studio. And my husband being really smart and really sweet and supportive, but a realist said, baby, that's a business. You can't just open a business. You have to have a business plan and what's your ROI. And he's throwing out all these alphabet words. And I was like, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Five minutes telling me what it is. It was basically like, yeah, you're cute. Go away. And then I sat there with my shoulders up to my ears. For three days, I sat on a computer. I'm doing all of this research. I'm taking all these notes. He's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to open a studio. He was like, oh, my God, you're such a nut. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, you know, you're heading for a brick wall. And I said, I can do it. He's like, of course you can do it. But should you be doing it? Um, And so from concept to opening day with a giant pair of scissors uh, and the Chamber of Commerce and the whole bit, I opened six weeks, six weeks. And Donald was super supportive, and he um, that first couple of years he actually quit his job just to help me set up the books and make sure everything oh my was set up on the on the front end. And it was an incredible experience. Um, so I'm actually actually closed my brick and mortar. I was open for 12 years, mm. and again with no business experience. I won Small Business of the Year and uh, Female uh, Business Owner of the Year and Entrepreneur of the Year. I won like five business awards in this mm-hmm. year, and it was so bizarre because I opened with no business experience, mm-hmm. but I had lots of life life experiences and lots of hustle and a really high pain tolerance. And I, mm. and I figured it out. And over those 12 years, I was so blessed to watch so many people get out of pain. Um, you know, young folks get their college scholarships. And, you know, I had women that had their babies in four pushes. It was insane. <laughs> and I would look in the mirror and say, is this legal? I'm getting paid to help people. Like, this is really amazing. Yeah. So I was open for 12 years. And it was incredible. And I had a waiting list. I had referrals and all of that. But during that time period, I had started Grown Women Dance Collective. And mm-hmm. this is my love. I I figured out a way to use arts and wellness for social justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So dig. let's dig deeper into that. Tell us about that. And then I, I want people to know about your nonprofit. I want them to know about what your big hearted desire is. And, and I want people to know how they can help. We had this brilliant conversation where I learned so much and 
I really got inspired and I, and I want people to hear that. I want people to know what you're doing. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, 2009, uh, I started grown women dance collective with some longtime friends and, how it started originally is we started by doing Juneteenth dance concerts and Juneteenth mm-hmm. is a celebration of liberation from slavery in the African-American community. And uh, in 2009, we had lost most of our Juneteenth celebrations. Um, cities or, or buildings would not uh, ensure the celebrations um, kind of like rock concerts back in the day or hip hop concerts back in the day, Juneteenth celebrations fell into this category where suddenly we were losing insurance and people weren't, um, we weren't able to gather and have these really important family and com- community gatherings. And so that happened. Luckily, there's been a huge resurgence of Juneteenth celebrations in the last few years. But when we started, they were almost all gone in Northern California. During the same time, we had lost in those few years before a lot of amazing people icons in the african-american community that had had made huge changes in the world so we had lost um ossie davis and nina simone rosa Mm -hmm. parks uh coretta scott king gregory hines we'd lost incredible people and some of them were passing with great honors people realized and they were celebrating lives and some of these people were passing and nobody noticed that they passed and so i got together with my girlfriends and said this is really important that these people that paved a way for us these people that that helped us see ourselves and see each other and push us forward as a community and impact the fabric of society that they're being honored. So we started doing this incredible Juneteenth celebration. We are all uh, retired dancers in our late forties and fifties from major Mm -hmm. rep companies, including Alvin Ailey, American Dance Theater, Dance Theater of Harlem, Martha Graham, Bill T. Jones, Cleo Parker Mm -hmm. Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. We have about 45 Broadway shows in between us. And once a year we would come together and we would create this incredible um, celebration of, of Black history and culture, super educational, super fun. Um, little old ladies would be, you know, having mm. hands up you know, over their heads like they were in church, and kids would be dancing in front of their seats, and um, teenagers would actually stop texting. And this is the way you really really know. We're like, what the heck? They learned so much. They learned so much history through this celebration. And we started sponsoring children to come to the show. So every year we sponsor 200 super exuberant, financially challenged children from seven Mm -hmm. Bay Area communities. And they come and they see the concert. They have a backstage tour. They meet the dancers that look like them. They have lunch. They leave with a Black History bio. And the thank you cards that I get from these kids are Mm -hmm. mind-blowing. They really get it. And they they suddenly see that there are more options for them. they see where they fit in a lineage for the first time and it's really empowering for them to experience that. So the rest of the year I was through Aspire, I was teaching Pilates and Pilates for back pain and all of this stuff. And then I was teaching the arts piece through grown women. And so what happened in 2018, I closed the brick and mortar for Aspire and I combined all of the services because 
literally we were doing it all, but we were doing mm -hmm. it under two different camps. Gotcha. So Grown Women Dance Collective, the second pillar now, the first pillar is world-class dance concerts. The second pillar is arts and wellness community classes. So we teach dance, we teach dance with literacy, which looks like um, dance with black history, with African-American poetry. We teach Pilates, mm -hmm. Pilates for back and joint pain. I have to break these into categories so people know sure. that you know, we're not just doing Lululemon Pilates here, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, all prevention for seniors. Uh, we do pre and postnatal work. We have a, a, a horrible disparity in the black community with black infant health. So trying to mm. impact that through, through Pilates classes. Um, and then we do athletic training programs and dancing programs, uh, mm -hmm. dance conditioning programs. And all of these classes are free to the community. So we go into to black and brown communities that don't have access to the arts, that don't have access to education, and we make sure that we bring these really um, empowering, life-changing skills into the communities. Mm -hmm. So those are the two pillars that we've been doing. And the third pillar, which I'm really excited about, that we're adding next year, um, the whole time I had the studio open, it became a, a haven for young people they would just find their way to me and mm. um these are young black and brown people that just needed some kind of support more support than they were able to get because their families were working really hard and doing the best they can to keep their lights right. on electricity um but the the young folks needed a little bit more and so some of them ended up in our studio and they'd be, they'd take naps. They jump on reformer and take class. They'd say, Hey, Miss Tanya, um, what is that? It's broccoli, broccoli. If you have broccoli, mm, it's green. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you told me about and next this. Thing you know, they're eating broccoli and other parents are eating broccoli and their grandparents are eating broccoli. And six months later, the entire family's blood pressure has come down. Right. Mm. Um, we've had young people that not only, have they all stayed in school, but have gone on and gotten full scholarships to college. One of them just graduated with a master's in biology, right? <laughs> all of this was just holding space for folks. And so we're going to formalize this program now. And I'm calling it the, what am I calling it? I'm calling it the, um, it's a post-hab, a post, let me try again. It's mm -hmm. a post-rehab Pilates certification and joyful movement life skills practitioner, right? So it's a certification where everybody's going to get some solid uh, post rehab uh, Pilates skills because the reality is many, many people in this country do not have access to health care. And right. so Pilates teachers can be a really amazing frontline resource. Um, when you go into a community and, and, and people are suffering with back pain and they can't see a doctor, they can't see a chiropractor, they can't see a physical therapist, right? And you work with them and in five or six classes, their sciatica has cleared up when they've been suffering for years and they're able right. to get back to work. They're able to play with their children. You know, young people give them that one little edge and they get their college scholarship, which now breaks the cycle of poverty for the generations underneath them, right? So it's gonna be a post rehab certification arts education, right? So the idea is right now, 
I go into these communities and I'm teaching all of these free classes. Well, what happens if we multiply this, right? right. So we're going to have these certifications plus um, two years of mental health counseling. We have a, a black Harvard medical school psychiatrist working with us, financial literacy classes, um, entrepreneurial skills. So when they're done and they test out, they can either A, get a job in a studio or B, start their own clientele, which we know at that point, the money doubles or triples. Mm. Um, if you're crazy enough to open a Pilates studio, I'll show you how to do that successfully. <laughs> I'm going to say no, but I'll show you how to do it successfully right. if you want to. Right. And then the really, really juicy part of this is paid student teaching hours. So we know it takes 300 hours to get through our student teaching hours in order to sit for the national exam. Right. Mm -hmm. Or to sit for the balanced body exam. Oh, by the way, balanced body is partnering with us in this. Oh, good. And they're providing manuals and tests and um, a scholarship for some of these young people. I'm really excited about it to have them as a partner. Um, they've been really, really supported over supportive over the years, including sure. the 18th dance concert. So these 300 hours that they need to do, they do a bunch of them with me on the front end in the studio right? Developing those skills. And when they're strong enough to be out in the community, the next 200 hours, they will be paid to go out to the community and teach. So the idea is to flood black and brown communities with expertly trained teachers that can advocate in the arts and the wellness field, right? So we're going to get the classes that I'm teaching now, but we're going to multiply them. So in libraries, in senior centers, in homeless shelters, in incarcerated settings, right? Mm -hmm. And these young people, let me take it back. And these people, some of them will be, you know, that young kid that got the college athletic scholarship and came back because they didn't get drafted. And what are they going to do now? And we know mm. that there's a there's a cliff that a lot of these young people fall off. We're sure. talking elders in the community that have a lot of standing and a lot of respect in the community. Um, people that are coming out in incarcerated settings, people that are formerly unhoused, people that are aging out of the foster care system, um, artists to make sure that artists are able to support themselves so they can use that money to be able to create more art. That's right. right. So creating this 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 network of eventually hundreds and then eventually thousands of teachers across the country because I will blueprint this and then share it with studios across the country and internationally. This is a way of flooding under-resourced, disinvested communities with high-level Pilates training, arts training, um, getting people out of pain, advocating for, for maternal health, um, keeping our seniors from falling down. Mm. I'm really, really excited about it. And I've done this on a smaller scale informally for years. Right. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to codify it. And our first cohort is going to be in September of 2021. Awesome. Fundraising for that. That's going to be the first cohort. That's a pilot program um, because we're under COVID. Um, sure. We're going <laughs> to, we have to figure out how we're going to do that around this COVID thing. And then the next year, it will be double the students, and then we'll just keep going from there. And after I get the first cohort through, then I will start sharing that model with other, um, other studios and other uh, communities around the country. Yes. Really yes. excited about it. It's going to transform our communities 
Um, and what I keep saying is that Pilates, we have a lot of genius in this field, a lot of genius and a lot of people that really care about human beings. Yes. Uh, we've got some structural inequity in this country that goes back 400 years. So mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. the Pilates community is thinking about what can we do, how can we change things? I want us to think very seriously that although it's nice to have some more brown faces and bodies in marketing, that's wonderful. Representation is important, right? While it's nice to have more brown people um, on videos, that's nice. That's important. Representation is very, very important. I want to figure out how do we as a Pilates community, how do we leverage our skills to actually start tearing down the fabric of what's wrong and building up something new. How yeah, do yeah. we as a Pilates community look at these structures and figure out how we can mold and reshape and redefine these structures so we all have not only equal access, but we have the ability to flourish, to grow, and actually get somewhere as a country and as, as a world. Yes. I love this. Um, uh, one of the things that struck me so much when you were telling me about it the first time was how it is so deeply twofold, right? Mm -hmm. You are providing this amazing training for all of these people, such a huge range of people who are disenfranchised or don't know where to go, or like you said, it would otherwise fall off the cliff. Right. And you are also that it's, that's not the end. Like that in and of itself is in support of all the other structural challenges, right? right. That in, in the communities that love, it feels to me like such a, um, like a snowball effect, mm -hmm. like a really intentional, right? One just fosters the other. And one of my favorite examples is the Mobius strip, right? So what is outside is inside. So it's a, it's a circle, mm -hmm. but it turns. So it twists so that everything that is on the outside becomes the inside and everything that's the inside becomes the outside in this continuous loop, mm. right? It feels very much like that to me wow. where there's a, there's an inevitable influence, right, that happens as you grow and train folks and then they influence the community and then wow. they come back. Yep. And it's really, yep. really marvelous. Yep. And I have to tell you that the other, the really cool thing about this, one, one we're going to flood the communities with, with arts and wellness programs. That's incredible. The other part of it is, creating sustainable jobs and entrepreneurial opportunities for people that don't have access, mm -hmm. right? So in the San Francisco Bay Area, right, a 20, 25-hour first-year Pilates job pays about $60,000 a year, mm -hmm. right? Well, if the average African-American family in San Francisco making $23,000, that's a lot of money. You're talking about staving off gentrification, you're mm -hmm. talking about the ability to stabilize an entire family, right, which which extends to extended family. And you're talking about the ability for the first time ever to start amassing wealth. Yeah. Right. In Oakland, um, we're down to in San Francisco, we're less than five percent of the population now. Right. Mm -hmm. 
we have no sort of, of, of financial stability in order to fight against gentrification. In Oakland, we are now down to 24%, and yet we are 70% of the unhoused population, right? Yeah. So I'm talking about people from communities suddenly having economic empowerment, and with their economic empowerment, they're able to further empower the communities that they came from. That's right. And then here's a little bit of extra frosting for the cake. We all know <laughs> that a lot of studio owners, our biggest challenge is finding well-trained, reliable teachers. Mm-hmm. teachers. Yeah. Right? And something I've heard over and over is, well, you know, people come in and out because it's not that well of a paying job. Right? And I'm like, $60,000, this is very relative. Mm-hmm. Because if your entire working family, you've got three people, you've got four people, you've got five people working in a family, and the family is still not even making $100,000 times five people, mm-hmm. right? One person bringing in $60,000 changed everything. So now you've got this, this workforce that's built, that is excited, that's well-trained, that that money is a huge help to their entire community, right? Yeah. So the Pilates industry, yay, on top of it, you know, we always say diversity is important, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Diversity changes everything and it trickles down always to the bottom line. Mm. So tell us, uh, if tell us, like, give us the top three things teachers could do to support the program. Like what would make the biggest impact right now? Because you're planning for this cohort that will start in about a year. Mm -hmm. So, and you have this wonderful educational partner who's going to be donating, you know, educational materials. What, what's like, if you had one thing, one wish that could be fulfilled in this next 12 months, as you prepare, what, what would that number one thing be? What's really important at this point is fundraising. I need massive fundraising. Um, I know how the program is going to work. I know it will work. But in order to pay all of these incredible specialists, oh, the piece I forgot to tell you is we have nutrition also, right? So mm-hmm. we have nutrition. You mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned this. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll back up. So the one thing that would be really, really helpful at this point, I need fundraising, right? Mm-hmm. Because I know this program will work. I've done this before, but I'm going to scale it. And in order to be able to pay all of these really high-level, committed professionals to hold space for for this cohort, I need to be able to pay them. I need also to be able to pay the teachers for their their student teaching hours. Right. right? We all know that there's a big drop-off in the middle of certification where people can't certify because they can't make it through their hours. Right. right? Mm -hmm. This is a way to provide a paid job for these young folks as they are training, Mm -hmm. right? So they don't have to make a choice between education and feeding themselves, right? Right. I need to fundraise in order to pay for those paid teaching hours. And then that money goes right into the communities where we get you know, 2,000 to 4,000 in the first year, free classes into the communities. So right. fundraising, I'm actually going to start a, um, a crowdfunding soon. Um, there's a donate button at grownwomendance.org. 
Great. All of the money that comes in um, is going to go straight into these programs. We are a, a, a no-fat, um, fiscally sponsored non nonprofit project. So all mm-hmm. of the money goes straight into our programs. Um, and it's all tax deductible. Right. Great. Yeah. So so raising money for mm-hmm. the first cohort and to pay the the, the staff, essentially, like all these brilliant people who are in support of the program. Right. Um, and then, it, it, like, if people, we were talking about this maybe, uh, you know, before we started recording, if people have fundraising skills, mm-hmm. or they have skills to, you know, write grants, or they have connections to Google or whoever the hell, you know, Um, would that be useful to have people like that reach out to you? It would be very helpful. I'm finding that it's, it's who, you know, so has a friend's cousin's uncle's best friend that that has a close relationship with a foundation that either funds the arts or health or wellness programs or workforce development programs. I would love an introduction um, if somebody is an expert fundraiser and would like to write some grants, I am writing grants, but I only have 2.5 hands. <laughs> yeah, right. And you're working your butt off. Yeah. 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 And so, teaching like crazy and yeah. all kinds of things. Um, what if studios, like I imagine there are studio owners right now listening who are like, I want a piece of this. I want, I want to get involved because so many of us as studio owners want want to engage in uh, community building and philanthropy. So if, if a studio owner is listening and they're like, I, I want to eventually offer this program, how can they start getting involved right now? Uh, right now, what would be awesome is they can run an internal fundraising campaign, Great. right? Yes. Whether mm-hmm. it's a GoFundMe or direct their clients to grownwomendance.org. Right. Again, it's all tax deductible. Um, If they could leverage their community and their resources to help fund this, this would be fantastic. And again, my goal is after this first cohort, I've got this nice blueprinted package put together that I'm going to be really excited to share this nationally. But I'm going to put in all of the hard work on the front end, um, codifying how many hours. Oh, right, right. oh, yeah, we actually do need that many hours for this phase. We need this mm-hmm. many hours for this phase. Mm-hmm. So letting me work out the counseling, the financial literacy, the nutrition, how many hours we need and at what point. Because, um, mm-hmm. again, I've done this before, but I haven't done this at scale. So um, it would be awesome if they could leverage their resources and their people and their community to help fund this. And then when I have this all worked out, I'm going to share it with the world. Amazing. Amazing. So tell us the website one more time and I will post it in the show notes and I'll be posting it in social media. So when the interview comes out, we'll all have it. But tell us again what the what the website address is. It's grownwomendance.org. It's plural. We're grown. You can't tell us nothing. (laughs) Womendance.org. So amazing, Tanya. Oh, just I am weird. You're hearing only our voices, but I'm sitting here on Zoom with Tanya, and it's a really spectacular experience. <laughs> <laughs> She's so animated and excited, and it's just really I love to- this work. I love it. I it's like being able to take our our skills 
and and change the world with them yes yeah well you've got a you've got a brilliant idea and as you've said you've it's not just an idea like you've really done the work you know and you've been doing the work and it's it's time for some other folks to step in and mm. lift you up and elevate the program so i'm thrilled to have been able to talk with you thank, thank you, you for spending thank time you with for me your time and your energy oh, so and your good. and all the beautiful good juju that you put out into the world oh thanks honey like thank you such a pleasure to speak with you and hopefully people are fired up man i don't know how they could not be fired up and ready to go okay friends and dear ones i hope you got a lot out of that i hope you are percolating on ideas of your own and ways that you might extend support to the Grown Women Dance Collective and the three different tiers that Tanya is working on creating and reproducing so that you can take advantage of all of her hard work and do the same kind of good work in your own community. So once again, the website is grownwomendance.org. And you can pretty much learn all that you need to know about Tanya and the programs that she's creating there. I am going to include Tanya's email in the show notes so you can reach out to her directly and offer your gifts and talents and experience and support to this amazing program that she's creating. And even though we're at the end of our beautiful path, almost two episodes to go with the Thinking Pilates podcast, we, as always, appreciate your love and attention, and if you haven't had a moment to write us a review, we would be forever grateful. It will support us in the next iteration of our podcasting future, whatever that might be. As you probably imagine, James and I both have lots and lots of plans. So until next time, can't wait for you to listen to what we've got in store in our next episode, the second of three to wrap up the Thinking Pilates podcast, we're going to be talking with Amy Lynch, who is a dear friend and colleague of many years, who has created an amazing nonprofit in the Oakland Bay Area called Arm of Care, which is arts, recreation, and movement for rehabilitation of women who have been sex trafficked. And her program has been going on for many years now, and I can't wait to share that with you. So stay tuned. Check in with us in another week or two, and we'll have more wonderful of service things to share with you. Mm-hmm.